Matthew chapter 6, and I told you uh, that, that this January, for the first of this year, uh, we're going to be spending some time on uh, what, what I believe the Lord would encourage us in, some foundational pieces uh, to the Christian life, a few of the things that are just foundational to our lives as Christians. Uh, not necessarily how we become a Christian, that's a whole other sermon, uh, but the basics in our pursuits uh, of, of Him as a Christian in our life. And today, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about prayer. Now, when I was first jotting down my notes, I was like, well, we did a series on prayer last summer. Well, in fact, that was the summer of 2019, right? Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, like almost the whole summer, Sunday mornings, we were uh, going over prayer. Uh, and so this obviously isn't going to be an exhaustive study on prayer, but I hope what it is is encouraging to you as we as we start this year. Some of the things that we learned during that time is that prayer is for the Christian expected. Right. God expects us to pray. And Jesus says that when he's teaching, he says, when you pray, pray like this. So there's the expectation that we would pray. So it's expected. It's personal. Right. We can pray together, but there is a prayer life that I have as an individual uh, with him. And that also it's learned. You know, so if we feel uncomfortable in prayer, I don't feel like I do this very well. He taught his disciples how to pray. There's a learning process and a learning curve there in prayer, uh, just like with technology. Um, and the, the, the fourth one and the most comforting is that prayer is answered. Uh, that we're not just praying into the atmosphere, we're not just casting out positive thoughts. Uh, that there's a God in heaven who is listening when you pray. Uh, and I, I told you, if you really want to mess with Christians, especially if there's a group of them, uh, which down here, you know, everybody can be messed with the same way. You say, hey, would this be an OK time for a word of prayer? Guarantee you nobody's going to say no. They may want to. They may be thinking about it. But if you say, hey, would this be a, would this be an OK time for us to just have a word of prayer? Everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd be about, they'll, they'll about, it can be somebody who's been far from God, hadn't prayed in years. But if you say that, buddy, we're bowing our head. We can take our hat off and here we go. Because on, on the inside of us, there's an understanding of how uh, revered this act is, uh, even if we've been far from it. So, again, this won't be exhaustive, but I hope it's an encouragement uh, as we talk about beginning to Pray. We want to have a healthy understanding of prayer. We want to have an honesty of our need for it uh, in our life. Uh, and we want to have a happiness that comes from having this avenue of grace available to us uh, from our Father in heaven. Amen. So turn with me, like I said, to Matthew 6. And I want to read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 in verses 9 through 13. Uh, I'll be reading the full uh, version there. Yours may have, your, your translation uh, may or may not have the latter part of verse 13 uh, included. It may be in brackets. It may be in a footnote. Uh, all that means is that it wasn't included in the earliest manuscripts and they want to be uh, truthful in what they're showing you. Hey, this was the earliest manuscript. This is also included in later manuscripts. Uh, but I believe that it's uh, beautiful. It's God honoring. And so we'll read it today. 
but in Matthew 6. And if you've got questions about what does all that mean, we'll talk about that. Uh, I look forward to talking about uh, Scripture, where it comes from and, and, and how it got to. In verse 9, and I'll read it and then I want to bless the word as we receive it today. Jesus said, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. As we open it today, I pray that you open our eyes to the wonders of it. God, that you uh, give us a, a greater revelation of what we have in our life when it comes to prayer. How important it is, how vital it is, and how accessible you have made yourself to us. And that we would not neglect it, but we would rejoice in it today. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I'm not going to get a lot further than the beginning of this today. The beginning of the Lord's Prayer. You know, we've only got so much time together. I know that your, your brains can't receive more than your backside can stand. Uh, so I, I, I want to encourage you this morning uh, with a couple of these points that lead off this prayer that Jesus has given to us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name or may your name be kept holy. Hallowed be thy name is what we've learned. If you if you read it in the King James, grew up reading that or New King James Version, hallowed be thy name, which that's made kind of a comeback here lately. Uh, people are running the joke online uh, with their kids. You know, what's God's name? They'll ask the kid, what's God's name? Howard. Why is God's name Howard? Our Father who is in heaven, Howard be thy name. And everybody laughs. This kid's brilliant. They're a great community. Well, your grandfather was telling that joke years ago. That's an old one. So they're recycling it. It's still funny, but it's like a whole new audience. But I'm like, you're stealing Papa's jokes. I hope you're giving him credit. But our Father in heaven... May your name be honored as holy. Um, and I want to encourage you in those points this morning. And again, when Jesus is teaching us to pray, he's not teaching us. You have to pray this exact prayer every time. Right. Because he also talks about you know, against a vain repetition, just repeating things that don't have a meaning. But he says, when you pray, pray like this. So that tells me it's important. And he starts off with an address. He addresses the prayer to our father. It reminds us that we're actually speaking to someone, right? Because when in our everyday life, we use titles to identify the person we're speaking to. I may say, Abby, will you do this? And that clarifies who I'm speaking to, who I'm asking that of, both to me and to them, Right. So we use that, whether we call that person by their first name, their last name, you know, Mr., Mrs., Dr., whatever the case may be, sir, ma'am. We, we've got all of that uh, that we do. We address people when we're speaking to them to identify both again to them and to us who we're speaking to. And that's a very important part. When we're praying, who are we speaking to or to whom are we speaking? I'm not sure which one is the correct uh, 
English there. But it is important. There was a big deal. I guess it was this last week um, in opening uh, the session of Congress in the House of Representatives. One of the representatives who's also a licensed minister gave the invocation, right? The prayer at the beginning. An invocation is to invoke the presence of God in whatever meeting's about to take place. It's a big deal. And there was a whole lot of hullabaloo because he ended the prayer with a man and a woman, right? I don't know if you saw that. If you didn't, you just Google it, Twitter, a man and a woman. You'll see the video of it. A man and a woman. Everybody got all twisted up about it. I didn't get very much twisted up about that. I've heard people make that. I think it's a joke. I think it was making it kind of like a joke, kind of trying to point, you know, it's kind of like saying, say amen or oh me. Everybody heard that, right? My, my bigger issue, because it's, it's about a 10 to 12 second video, and I heard that part at the end, but right before that, as he's concluding the prayer, he, he said something that was much more startling to me than amen and a woman. And he said, I did that because more women are serving this year in Congress than ever before. I wanted to recognize that. Okay, okay, that's fine. Like I said, that, that, that's just kind of a joke to me. But what he said before he got to amen and a woman was more startling to me because he said, we pray this, he's concluding his prayer, we pray this to the monotheistic God. And then there was a comma as, a, as he paused. And he said, Brahma, the God Brahma, the Hindu God uh, Brahma, and uh, God known by many names, in many different faiths, amen, and a woman. And I was like, who are we praying to? You have addressed all kinds of mess here. You, you haven't said you're praying to the God of the Bible. I think that's what he was going for. And again, he's a licensed Christian minister, but he prayed to the monotheistic God and then Brahma. Well, there's some problems there because when you say monotheistic, that's one God, right? Mono means one. I pray to the one God and to this other one. <laughs> and if there are any others, I pray to them as well. And it's just this big scatter shot. I don't want to upset anybody. But in praying to everything, you're actually praying to nothing, right? So when we pray... We address our prayer. We're not just worrying out loud. We're not just speaking our concerns into the atmosphere. We are addressing our prayer. Because if not, how do we know who we're talking to? How do we know who we're talking to? You know, we give the old joke, Howard be thy name. There's another old joke that your dad may have told you, your grandfather may have told you about a man who's at the airport in the bathroom and he's in the bathroom stall taking care of bathroom stall business, I assume. And while he's in there, he hears the door open in the stall next to him and someone come in and close the door. And then he hears a voice from the next stall that says, hey, good morning. And he, he's kind of startled. You know, this is a private situation. And he kind of mutters maybe like you or I would, oh, good morning. And then the voice comes from the next stall again and he says, how's everything going over there? I mean, it's going. I mean, I, it's going. A couple more seconds going by. It's like, well, just let me know if you're going to need me to come over there and help you finish up. And the guy says, excuse me. I don't need to start spelling. And then voice comes from the next stall again. Hey, hold on, hold on. This guy in the next stall keeps talking to me. Hold on. 
right? That's the funny part. It's guys on the phone. He thinks he's talking to him. Why? Because there wasn't an address. And so we address the Father in heaven to whom we are speaking. That's who we're bringing our requests and our prayer to. And it's not just an address, right? It's not just, hey, you. We address him as our Father. So there's not just an address. There's also an appeal to the relationship of the one who's being addressed. Because we relate to each other in many different ways, right? We could be friends. We could be family. We could be complete strangers. And it's going to change the way that we relate to one another. You may be my boss. I'm going to relate to you differently than if you were my brother or if you were my son, right? There's some differences there. So we, we, we find our place and our configuration of relationship and it changes how we interact with each other. And, and, and that affects us when we pray. How do we relate to the one that we're praying to? And Jesus said, you pray to our father. In other words, everything I'm about to say to him when I begin the prayer with that type of address is going to be said in the context of our relationship. It's, it's, it's an address, but it's also an appeal to the relationship. Remember it said in John chapter 1 that to all who received him, talking about Jesus, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So if we have believed, then we are welcomed as a child. Now, that, the, the requirement, the only requirement was was just the one. And what was it that they believed? So if we've believed, then we are a child and that's important because a child is welcomed in their parents' presence with their requests, even if they're not good at articulating them, right? I mean, I've got three kids, one that's 15, one that's 11, and one that's three, almost four, okay? Abby at 15 has a lot bigger vocabulary. She's able to express herself very clearly and whenever she needs anything, wants anything, she, she, she's able to speak that out. Luke, not so much. Sometimes it's just hollering. But I don't say, excuse me, I'm not going to listen to you until you can talk like she can. I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. I'm not going to receive your request until you can speak to me like a grown person. Right? And be nice. But, but that's not what we do. You see, even the babies. I mean, we're going to have a baby on the way here soon. When he gets here, he's not going to be able to make anything other than cat sounds. And he's like, Meow. and guess what? Mom and dad, I'm coming. <laughs> what is it, baby? What is it? What do you need? Why? Because he's still a child, even if he's not able to vocalize it like one that's two or three or 11 or 15 or 30 or 50 or 70. Or you, you get what I'm saying. The father receives the request of the child, even if it's a little bit immature, even if it's childlike. And that's an important thing for us to remember, because many are hesitant to pray, 
especially in public, but even in private, because they don't feel like they can articulate what they're wanting to. They don't think they can pray pretty enough. Well, he'll hear me and he'll find out I don't do it very well. Right. We're insecure about it. And so it's a good time to remind ourselves that God doesn't love a future version of you more than he loves you right now. He doesn't love a future version of you that's learned to quote scripture better, that's learned to pray better, that's learned to act better. He doesn't love a future version of you more than he loves you right now. Again, you think of that in the natural example. I don't love the the oldest child more than I love the youngest child because they're able to do more things for themselves, right? They're all my children, and that's how he loves. Uh, So when we're addressing him and we're appealing to this relationship, it configures everything that comes after that. Because I've identified to whom I'm speaking. This is to God in heaven, the God of the Bible, the God who gave me the right through my belief in Jesus Christ to become his child. And then I appeal to that relationship. And that is just as simply saying, hey, Father. Right. It doesn't have to be super flowery or poetic. We don't have to pray this Shakespearean prayer, but we appeal to the relationship. So we pray our father. And then there's a part after that in heaven or who art in heaven. And when we first hear that, we know God is in heaven, but then it also can sound far away. Right. The heavenly realm, which is separate from the earthly realm that we live in. But that word for heaven can also be plural, the heavens, which includes the stars, which includes the sky, even as low as right above our head. So when you're praying to God who is in heaven, you need to remember that he's also near you. When we pray our father who is in heaven, it's to talk about how exalted he is, but also to remember that he is always near us, even as close as the air right above our head. He is not far away. Our natural, you know, if your dad was far away in the natural, you call him, hey, hey, dad, can you help me, you know, fix the lawnmower? It's not working right. Well, I'm in Australia right now, so no. I'm distant. I'm far away. You're going to have to wait till I get back. Right. There's physical limitations on a natural parent that aren't uh, relatable to God because he is always near us wherever we are, whether we're here, whether we're at home, whether we're at work, whether we're in our car, wherever we are. He is always near us. He is not far away. Psalm 46 says he is my ever present help in times of trouble. He's my ever present help in times of need, ever present, always near. So the address, the appeal to relationship and the acknowledgement that he is always close by. There's an intimacy there. And then hallowed be your name or may your name always be honored as holy. May your name be kept holy. May it be separated from everything else. 
May you always be held up as unique, special. Holy means set apart. And we can breeze past this. Hey, may your name always be kept, you know, holy. May, may it always be respected. And then on from there. But we want to make sure we understand our deep need for this to actually happen in our life. So that our relationship with him is in the fullness that it needs to be not just our life, but in the world. Uh, I, I read a quote as I was studying and, and I'll paraphrase it. I don't think I wrote it down exactly. Uh, it was from a, uh, a teacher named Dallas Willard. And he said, our life, human life, isn't about our life. Human life is not about human life. The chief end of our life isn't us. And our lives, the life of man here on this earth, won't be fulfilling, won't be full, won't be whole, won't be good until we adequately grasp the goodness and the greatness of its source and its governor. So our life on this earth won't be full, won't be whole, won't be worthwhile until we adequately grasp the goodness and the greatness of the source of our life and the governor of our life. That's the kind of thing we're saying when we say, may your name be kept holy, that I have an understanding in my heart, in my mind, in my mouth of how holy and set apart you are, how great you are, how good you are, that you are the source of my life, that there is none like you. That's what holiness means, that he's set apart, that there's no one else like him. He's the source of our life and the one that holds it all together. And that in my heart, my mind, that that wouldn't slip, just like I talked about earlier, that that wouldn't fall under anyone else's, that there would be none higher than him. There's none as great as him. There's none as good as him. There's none like him. And we don't include that in our prayer because he needs to hear it like he's insecure like we're telling him, no, seriously, your name is duper holy and it's awesome. Don't worry. He's not concerned about it. We need to say it because it reminds us and it orients our thoughts and our life. Because if we don't have that orienting us, then we become disoriented. Have you ever been disoriented? Not fun. You don't know up from down which way you're going. There's a dizziness Sensation when you're talking about being disoriented, not knowing where you are or where you are going. But these types of statements and these reminders keep us oriented and say, wait a second, no, there's none like him, there's none above him. That his name would be held high and treasured. And we talk about the relationship. We're coming to him as our father. What child wants to hear something about their parent? That is insulting. What child wants to hear something about their parent that is unkind? What, your earthly parent, whether it's true or not, who wants to hear that? Nobody. So it's saying, I want to live in that same relationship with him as his child. I don't want to be okay with anybody demeaning him, talking down about him. Again, we don't like that in an earthly situation with our natural appearance, even if it's true. 
even if it lands at home. We don't want to hear that, right? May that be set apart. We, we want to set that apart, and it's even more so with Him. So we address Him. We appeal to the relationship. We acknowledge that there is none above Him. And I want to, I always say this, and I, I, I can never say it enough. You can't diminish God. He's fine. If you don't pay attention to him, you never acknowledge him. He's not sitting up at night feeling bad about himself. He's God. You can't diminish him in what you say, what you do, what you don't say, what you don't do. You can't diminish who he is. It's impossible for you to do that. Here's what will happen. If you diminish him, it will be in your own heart, in your own mind. And then you will suffer under the insufficiency of this flimsy little G God that you have imagined and put into his place. So, again, he's not insecure. This may your name be kept holy. He's going to keep it holy. He can keep his own name holy. This is in reference to the way I see, the way I speak, the way I think and the way I act that it be kept holy in all of those arenas. Why? Because that's what I need. I don't need my perception of him to slip to the point because when, when your perception of him slips to the point where it's no longer true of him, then you are going to suffer under the insufficiency of this God that you have put in his place, this God of your own imagination, this God who is in your likeness. And that's not where we want to be. So we can't diminish him except in our own life. And that's where it hurts us the most. Again, this line isn't for him. It's for us because it can happen. It can. And we see that, it, you know, when you're young, sometimes you have to be really young, depending on who your parents are. You have this idea that your parent can do anything, Right. Whether it's your mom or your dad, if I hurt in any kind of way, mama can fix it. If anything is broken, daddy can fix it. If I'm ever scared and don't feel safe, if my parents are there, all of a sudden I'm safe. My parent can do anything. They're the best, right? There's the old, old song, uh, my dad could beat up your dad, but he wouldn't. That was Ray Stevens. My dad could beat up your dad, but he wouldn't. Because, you know, you, that was a playground deal. You know, my dad could beat your dad. Your dad couldn't beat up my dad. Have you seen my dad? Right? But as you get older, you start to realize what? Mom and dad are just people too. You know, so your view of them slides a little bit to a more honest space. But I was. He's greater than I thought that he was. The more we know him. The greater he is and the deeper we know that. Hallowed be thy name. May your name be kept holy in my heart, in my mind, in my life, in my actions, and in my prayer. And just like a child would be, that you're grieved when someone speaks against your father. There's, there, there's a grief that hits there like, wait, 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 no, no, no. You don't understand. That, that's not right. And, and listen, that's going to be big in the coming years. We have to keep his name holy because nobody else is going to do it. 
They're going to continue to move him down. I just told you, we opened the, the, the invocation of Congress was to the monotheistic God. You know, so that way I keep the, the, the Christians and you know, the Muslims and you know, the nation of Israel happy and Brahma because there's a bunch of Hindus around and anybody else. And so you see there's a bringing down of who God is and his rulership and his reign and his place in the universe. And the purpose in that is so that we can negate his authority. I can live like he's lesser than if I bring him down. So that's what you see culture doing to avoid his authority. They'll have to diminish him in the hearts and in the minds of men and women, but not among us. Amen. Because that's a part of our prayer. Hallowed be your name. And you don't have to say that specifically every time you pray, but you want to have a focus on who he is. When we start to pray, this is how we start. It doesn't have to be verbatim, but it's about the attitude of prayer. Remember what attitude means. It's how we think and how we feel about anything and everything. Amen. So the encouragement today is that you can pray. Yes, you, any of us can pray and we should. We should. We address him. We appeal to the relationship. We acknowledge that there's none like him. Nobody else even close. And we see how that type of prayer separates the God of the Bible from just worrying up into the air, right? Worrying out loud. Some people think that they're praying and all they're doing is just worrying out loud. Speaking our concerns. Hey, you can come on in. Have a seat right there if you want to. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, Kimperl, see what you got going on. How we pray steers our life. That we pray steers our life and how we pray steers our life. When we pray, we're basically bringing our needs and our requests and our concerns, our worries, our worship to God, right? We're asking, but we're not just asking, right? He's not a genie in a bottle where we just go, hey, I need this. Hey, I want this. Can you help me with this? We do that, but that's not all that we do. We bring him our concerns and we trust him because there's none like him. And as we grow, our concerns align closer and closer with his. What he's wanting to do starts to become what we want to do because we've spent so much time with him. And now does God always answer our prayer and respond to our prayer in the way that we want him to? No. Can you imagine what it would be like if he did? Our desires are so imperfect that he's not going to always give us what we ask for. Our knowledge is so limited compared to his that he's not always going to give us what we ask for. Right. Can you imagine if he gave you everything you prayed for when you were five years old? You imagine what that looked like. 
I'm pretty sure one time I prayed to be able to fly. Pretty sure. I'd seen something on TV. I was like, God, if I ever need to, like if there's ever a need, I didn't want to just do it for fun, right? I was going to, I knew that would be silly to ask. But if there's ever like a need, like somebody's in trouble or something, could I fly? You're ashamed of some of the things you asked for in your immaturity and in your lack of knowledge. And that'll be even multiplied more when we get on the other side of things and we can see everything as he saw it. Right. So is he always going to answer it the way that we want him to know? Will he always answer it in the right and good way for us? Yes, he will. So I want to close. And again, I knew we wouldn't make it all the way through this today because there's not enough time. I think, you know, people have written whole books just on these uh, four or five verses of Scripture. But I want to I want to close out by reading again the Lord's Prayer with a little bit of uh, added emphasis to cover some of the things we've gotten to and some of the things we didn't get to. Jesus said, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, our Father who's always near, your name be honored as holy, that there be utmost respect and endearment for your name, that your kingdom come and your will be done, that your rule would be complete, that your kingdom will operate fully here on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today what we need for today. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Thank you that our sins are not held against us and that we'll let others who have indebted themselves to us by sinful conduct be let go free. And do not bring us to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this gets a lot of attention. But basically what it means is, God, don't don't bring me up to a test that I'm going to fail. God, keep me from the test that I would fail. And deliver us from the evil one. Protect us, shield us, shelter us from evil or bad things happening. It's okay to pray that. Amen. Aren't you glad? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. All the rule and authority is yours. All the glory goes to you. You're the only one powerful. Amen. Which means so be it. And, and again, know that prayer is expected. And if it's expected by the Savior of the world, how can we neglect such an important thing in our life? The better question is, why would we want to? Why would we want to neglect such an important aspect of our life, our relationship with him? It's expected. It's learned. He, he loves his children, whatever their ability, whatever their place in, in their lifespan. Prayer is personal. Again, you, yes, you can pray and we should. And prayer is answered. He's ready to hear from us. He will not love us anymore as we pray more or see ourselves as praying better. But what you'll find out is that as you pray more, as you pursue him in prayer, it will unlock a new depth of love in your heart for him. 
So praying doesn't make him love you more, but it will stir up your affection for him. It will cause you to love him more than your heart could have ever imagined. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? We'll get ready to close in prayer. How fitting. And then Andrew will come and we'll, we'll sing together. Father, thank you for an understanding of the weightiness of prayer. What you've given us in this avenue of grace, in this gift from heaven when it comes to prayer, that it's so big and yet it's also so simple and accessible. I thank you that you will lead us into times of prayer individually and as a body that we will benefit from it in the way that you've designed it to benefit us. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy in our hearts and in our minds. And as we pursue you and spend time with you, that we'll know you more, we'll feel your love more closely, and we'll hear your voice more clearly in our life. I thank you that we're growing. I thank you that your grace towards us is not in vain but we work hard on the avenues that you've given us to pursue you. And I thank you that you will be exactly where you said you would be. You wouldn't tell us to pray if you weren't listening. You wouldn't tell us to read our Bible if you wouldn't meet us there with divine wisdom and revelation. You wouldn't tell us to gather together with the body of Christ unless you were going to be there present with us to build us up and encourage us. And I thank you for that. Lord, as we get ready to go today, Bless your people. I thank, that, thank you that we go in peace and unity with each other, even those who are uh, out from among us today. I thank you that you are near to them. Protect us as we go. God, keep us safe. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy that follow us all the days of our life. And I thank you that you will continue to admonish us individually in the areas that you have designed for us at the first of this year to pursue you in, that we won't neglect those great benefits of our relationship with you. God, but we will plan to pursue you all year long. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.